Welcome to Preston's Super Show. Talking about WWE SmackDown from Friday night and AEW Rampage results, reactions, and grades right here on the Super Show. Preston's Super Show. The place to go for sports analysis and just some good straight talk for the people out there that are just going about their business. They're just trying to get shit done. They don't want to hear the little t t t t t they want to hear the real deal Holyfield, and here it comes. You know, before I start, I want to say congratulations to the Green Bay Packers. You are going home, but you're going home with lessons that only the playoffs can teach you. And by going to the playoffs, where how many, I mean, just count how many teams don't even go, um, how many teams never won a Super Bowl, you have a lot to be proud of. A lot of things got to be changed. A lot of time to change them. This is where you begin to build for your Super Bowl run next year. In my opinion, that's what the focus should be on. Hey, well, you made it to the divisional round. So the minimum you should do next year is make it to the NFC Championship. The maximum would be win the Super Bowl. So that is the way I structure my, the beginning of my show. Because we all watch football last night, I'm pretty sure. If anybody cares about sports... And they give credit to the Ravens for beating the Houston Texans. You know, I was, as soon as the Texans lost, I thought of Joe because I was like, you know, it's my best friend. And I'm like, that spells disaster, you know, because when the, when his team lost, I'm like, yeah, I, I picked it to happen. But I had a feeling like that's going to set off the domino effect where the younger teams, you know what I mean, start to get weeded out here. And that's what happened. And it, it's going to happen. But the good thing is, is the Texans also got those same lessons. Hopefully they learn very well because that Ravens team, the way it is, it's the, the Ravens are like a different team every year, kind of. And who knows what how far they can go. I believe that Ravens team right now is good enough to win a Super Bowl. The way they were contained Houston, the way they, you know, were playing the game. I feel like they're a Super Bowl bound team. The 49ers, on the other hand, not even sour grapes, but I was not impressed. You know, it took them a long time to get going. Brock Purdy did not look comfortable in that game. And he had a decent game, but he didn't look comfortable. And the Packers missed about three to four interceptions that really would have turned to complete tide of that game. But that's what happens when you got to go on the road. You're playing with the, as young as these guys are uh, on offense and defense. And then you're playing against the 49ers who, hey, they're a good team. But I don't believe they're a great team. I, After seeing what I've seen, I feel like when the pressure's on and the spotlight's on that team, Brock Purdy's going to he's gonna fumble it. He's going to fumble that. I, I don't get the good nerve vibe from him. I get good nerves from Lamar Jackson. There was a moment in that Texans game where it was like, hey, it's tied up right now. What are you going to do? And he never looked back after that. Never looked back. And that's the difference, I think, between the NFL and a lot of other teams right now. The one thing we're going to watch for today, Detroit Lions versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a huge game because if the Lions lose that, I don't expect to see them back in the playoffs next year. I think this is a big, big deal for them because I don't think they're going to be able to keep as many guys as they think. And even the fact of their defense has some holes in it. So we'll see. Um... But if the Rams could put up a number on the Lions, a couple teams have, can put up a number on those Lions, I think you're going to realize that that's probably another thing that happens. 
uh, in this game, you know, and it could come down to it. I'm going to pick the Lions. You know, I picked the Lions to win, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just as good a shot. It's a 50-50 game, um, and it's just going to be up for grabs. Then when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs first, the Buffalo Bills, to me, that's written in the stones as Buffalo, you know, they control their destiny. If they go to the Super Bowl, I don't believe they'll win. But I do believe they could go to the Super Bowl. But I just see them having the biggest hill to climb. I think Buffalo has the biggest hill to climb. You're like, what? The Chiefs are on the road. And no, the Buffalo still has the biggest hill to climb because whoever wins has got to go up to Baltimore. And the Chiefs have traveled quite a bit now. And they're not a very good traveling team. And Buffalo's been pretty comfortable and they're going from Buffalo to Baltimore. The double B, baby. I mean, what it doesn't get better than the double B. But what I will say is that that is going to be a quality game from the Buffalo Bills and Chiefs tonight. But I think Josh Allen is ready to... This is a game where he can make his claim. He can make his claim to fame. And this is a game where I do look at, you know, just a little bit carefully at that Chiefs offense... And if they struggle out of the gate, they're going to be fighting an uphill battle that whole game that I don't believe they can win on the road. And I think their defense is a little bit, you know, of a disappearing act on the road. Sad to say, but they kind of are. And I think that that's going to show itself as well. So my picks tonight are, and I've given these out a couple days ago, but my picks for today's game, one starting a couple hours at two, and then the other one coming on later tonight. But the biggest thing I, th I take away from all of this is uh, a very, you know, I'm not, I don't like the Detroit Lions. I'm a Packers fan, so I don't like the Lions, but I like what they're doing. You know, that's the difference. I don't like you guys, but I like what you're doing. You're, you're playing a good brand of football, and I'm a football fan, you know, so I want to watch good football. So if you're playing a good brand of football, expect me to tune in because I want to see good football. And I, I remember guys who play good football because, it's not a lot of people forget, you know, they don't maybe they don't get the accolades or the prizes, but a lot of people forget the guys who just play good football. Well, that's enough of that. UFC last night was that was a tough, tough card. You know, I started off the year with a great card, 10 and one. I mean, it was amazing. And then I come into last night's card and I was just getting chopped left and right. I mean, they were handing decisions to guys who obviously lost and giving them split decision wins and shit. And, um, even Bruce Buffer, uh, he said the guy's name wrong once. I've, I've never heard him do that. That was the first time that's happened. So there was a lot of just fuckery going on. And I would also say that how about Drake? He bet the farm on Strickland. And it looked like Strickland won the first round, second round. And the last round, I gave to Strickland. That third and fourth round, Driz, Drake has had him on his feet, like kind of pushed back and was doing good damage no one scored any knockdowns Drickus was getting takedowns and that's I think the difference in MMA is when they do see a guy getting some takedowns and, and doing some things like that and then mixing up his his strikes a little bit uh, better but I mean that teeth kick that Sean was throwing and then how he was following up with the, with the left and then the, the counter right that he started to find if he would have, if he would have been able to get that ranged out earlier, he could have got a finish, because Drake's eye was completely swelled up. And yes, Sean's eye was cut, but it wasn't swollen. 
and the blood was running off to the side of his eyes, so his vision was slightly impaired, but not like Drickus, where his lead eye, the, where, the way he angles his face, his eye that's leading is not what was completely shut. So, you know, it's one of those things that that was a weird one because, man, you know, people, people lost a lot of money last night on their own machinations. Yeah, that's the way it goes, though. So the next UFC, they're going to they're going to have a good one for us because that card itself was not that good. I'm not going to say it was a, the worst card I've ever watched, but I'm going to say as far as the Canadians go, usually when they go to Toronto, it's a banger. That card's a banger and it didn't give me that vibe. It was like a, a few fights far and few between that were actually really competitive and a lot of them were just, you know pop shots and dancing around a little bit you know and it was kind of like watching a boxing match sometimes between some of these guys starting with wwe smackdown i like how paul Heyman came down ripped on nick aldis pretty much called them out for putting the brand before the superstars which is happening in a lot of places it happens all over but it's it's really a, a thing in wwe where they're building their brand bigger than their superstars and faster than their superstars can build their brands. Um, I'll give you Mandy Rose as a good example of that. Now you have AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and LA Knight. Now right there, that's a triple threat in my opinion, right? But they want the belt. So they're trying to put make this a fatal four-way. And the thing about a fatal four-way is that it's still like Roman Reigns has an advantage here. So we move into the next part of the show where Paul Heyman, he comes down there, pretty much lays it on the line. But then they say, hold on. Well, you know what? If Roman's not going to be a part of this match, we'll just take the belt from him and these three can fight. And that's really what should happen, right? So he made a good call there like, hey, hey we need you to do this and you need to get it done. So Paul Heyman pretty much can't do anything, but you know, except that so styles brawls with knight orton pretty much promises that he's gonna reintroduce roman reigns to the rko then you get a good match so the first match is santos escobar angel and humberto against the lwo and that gets us still carlito caribbean cool who was really cool to see him out there i don't think that like this is a weird match because like all of these guys could be in the LWO and they're fighting each other and they say Angel and Humberto are now Santos Escobar's family so they got him a gimmick they got him something going there and I think that you know overall the match was good I'd grade that out at a B minus and I like the work that Santos Escobar does in there it was not his greatest match. I don't think he feels like it was, but I feel like it was a good, like, plug. You know what I mean? Like a good, you know, plug right in. You feel the electricity. It's there. Now, one thing the WWE isn't doing is using their talent right in every case. Sometimes they do it really well. Sometimes they just don't do it good at all. And Pretty Deadly is one of those cases. Here was a group. They had a great opportunity to make these guys, like, super heels you know and instead 
they aren't really giving them the right script. They're giving them kind of this offlandish, you know, what are we doing with this? We're just out at sea. What are we doing? And they come down there and they're going to wrestle Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. Now, I know Tyler Bate is a machine. Pete Dunn, a little bit of a different card in the deck. But I know Tyler Bates a monster in there. So that's good. A pretty deadly is supposed to be a deadly tag team. So for them to not really look like a deadly tag team, it just makes me feel like their time is running out on SmackDown. And like they're bound for, you know, WWE and XT again. So we'll see what happens. But I wasn't impressed. I was not impressed with any of that going on. Um... And I like Pretty Deadly. I think they're funny. And I think they should approach that angle a little bit harder. Uh, but the match itself, I wasn't really that excited with. I was like, well, good job. You know, you guys got your TV done. You know, what? I mean, I don't really know what else I could say about that. I think Tyler Bate was the best in that match. And he kind of he kind of shows that he's just a little bit better than a lot of these other guys. So I really appreciated the match and that they did it. But I just didn't like it that much. Um, I would grade that out as C minus. Then Logan Paul and Kevin Owens are going to have a, a talk. Logan Paul's getting better at cutting promos. Kevin Owens is, you know, I don't know what the hype is, to be honest with you. I don't got anything against Kevin Owens. But there's a big, you can tell, man, there's a big difference between the way the Canadians work a mic and the way Americans work a mic. Americans just have a better knack for it. I don't know what it is. Canadians just, they're trying to be too smart. Buddy, it's professional wrestling. I mean, you don't, having a high IQ is nowhere near, you're in the wrong business, man. Go work for Elon Musk if that's how you're going to approach it, you know. But Kevin Owens, I like as a wrestler. And he's got that cast on his arm. He takes the cast off. Logan Paul attacks the arm without the cast on it. It was, it was good. It was smart. The promo was good. Logan Paul cuts a better promo than Kevin Owens. That's not good for Kevin Owens. That's not good. If a guy is just getting going in the business is already cutting better promos than you. I'm telling you, that's where the money's made. They think it's in the matches. I'm like, no, we all love The Rock for his match, yeah. But it was what he was saying. It was how he was acting. It was how funny the stuff he said was. And the same thing with Stone Cold. If you take that away and just give me the match... I just know him as a good wrestler. He's okay. But when you add in that little flair, that microphone skill, that ability to not be ashamed or not be afraid to push the envelope, that's where The Rock and So Cold succeeded. And guys like Undertaker didn't really do that, did they? Undertaker was a different breed. He was kind of like built himself into more of a recluse individual and he would show up and, you know, bite you if you called him out. And there's certain guys that that works with, like Kane it worked with. And there's a lot of old school guys that it worked with. But in this day and age, you're not going to go anywhere if you don't learn how to cut promos. And good ones. Like, it can't be rookie, amateurish crap. It's got to be pretty good. So I do like Logan Paul working his way up in the business. And how does it feel for Kevin Owens? He's got no gold, no championship hardware and Logan Paul walk around in the United States championship. I mean, what are we really talking about? Like I need to see more from Kevin Owens in the ring. 
and I know they maybe crack the fat jokes and all that. It's not even that. It's nothing to do with that. It's just that he's built like a milk bag. He's built like a bag of milk. And you're like, oh, this is the greatest guy and all this. It's like, nah, dude, he's he's mid. Kevin Owens is mid. And I like Kevin Owens, but, but the way he wrestles now compared to when he used to wrestle, I think he's mid now. He went into the mid category for me. And it's not a good matchup for Logan Paul and Kevin Owens because Logan Paul has to slow down everything he wants to do. He likes to be fast. Who doesn't want to watch someone that wants to fly around and, and you know, put themselves, their body at risk? Everybody likes to watch this. Why we watch pro wrestling? And you get Kevin Owens is like, you know, guys, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, so, you know, what are you going to do with that WWE? WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Kaden Carter and Katana Chance defeat Alba Fire and Isayla Dawn. That match would have flew over your head. That would have flew over your head because they didn't do a good job of building this up. They got these WWE NXT stars taking over the blue brand, but the way they're doing it is like they're just getting them in front of you. So right now, just expect more people to just be in front of you and they're not probably going to be doing too much except wrestling for some of these people like Alba Fire and Isla Dawn but Katie Gardner and Katana Chance are the are the women's tag team champions so SmackDown now the reason I like that is because they are great athletes promo wise it's not gonna sell pay-per-view but ring action is definitely some of the better ring action these two women have and they have good chemistry they work well together one thing i notice about a lot of people in wwe is if they don't work well with somebody it kind of goes out the window zoop gone but Caden carter katana chance defeating alba fired as a dawn i will grade that out as a b plus um and then i'll move on you get L.A. Knight versus A.J. Styles ends in a no contest. Again, what do we talk about all the time? WWE has a problem with letting guys finish a match. No wonder guys don't have a record or know who's won what. I mean, it's like you're just out there just. It is really WWE is more acting than any other wrestling organization. You have to be a pretty good actor to be in the WWE. It's still real. They're still getting slammed. It's still painful. Everything about it's real, but there's a good amount of acting involved. And that's where those no contests come into play. And it's not so bad if they get sold well. If the match doesn't finish, I'm never a fan of a match not being finished. But if a match doesn't end up being finished, no winner declared, and they sell it, then no one cares. But everybody will complain probably if it's not sold well. And I do think they kind of sold it well. Um, I will say that LA Knight versus AJ Styles is a good match for that SmackDown, but it's it was good to see that nobody won at the end of the day because they all have to get in there again with Roman Reigns. So it doesn't like it didn't like if you win there, that's good. Maybe you could use that as a little motivation going into the match, but they didn't even give a guy that. So I just felt like, well, you know what? It's probably for the best that no one wins. Um, and I'm not going to grade it because it's an unfinished match, but for the work, it was good work. Like, it wasn't like they weren't doing good work. AJ Styles is one of the best to ever do it. LA Knight is coming around. He may get to that point, but AJ Styles is one of the best to ever do it. I remember AJ Styles high-flying AJ Styles, and he still can do all that, but he's a more grounded fighter now. He's a more, 
you know, built for, you know, inside the ring, not too much outside the ring stuff, unless you're talking about just some running into the, the ring post or grabbing a chair or something like that. But all the high flying flips and stuff, you know, AJ Styles from TNA days. That's where I know AJ Styles from. And then you see AJ Styles here in the WWE and he's, he is like a WWE wrestler. You know what I mean? He's more, everything is more refined in his game. He doesn't have to go all out like the guys in TNA were doing back then. And they were, they really were back then. I, you know, TNA now is a little bit of a hard sell and that's more of just mediocre wrestling. And I don't watch mediocre. So if it's not, if it's above mediocre, I'll watch it. But if it's mediocre, I don't watch that because I don't want that in my head. I don't want that to be the example of what wrestling should be. I want the example of what wrestling should be to be WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor guys, you know, show me the example because I go to some of these other promotions and I'm like, this is just too much fluff. This is just too much building up a character instead of putting on a good show. All right. So that was my big spiel there. Randy Orton up against Solo Sokoa. And, you know, Solo, here's the thing about Solo. He's got to win more. I want to see Solo win more. I'm sick of Solo not winning anything. And he's just sitting in this group of the bloodline and just like waiting for his time to shine. WWE, you got to have good patience, man. You got to have good patience because you're going to be waiting for another guy on a lot of occasions. And Randy Orton, he'll tell you all about that third generation. Randy Orton defeats Sola Sakai. Sola Sokoa, whatever. And here's the thing. I like that Roman Reigns came out there, caused a little stir at the end. Randy Orton hits him with the RKO, just like he told Paul Heyman at the beginning of the show. And then at the end of the show, makes Roman Reigns sign that little contract right there. Now we got our match. So... At the Royal Rumble, you're going to get that Universal Championship Fatal 4-Way. Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton. Where Roman Reigns is going to come out on top, in my opinion. But I'll give you my picks later. Uh, right now, we're going to move over to the AEW. Uh, I will say star of the show for SmackDown. Star of the show. And I really thought about this. You know, part of me wanted to give it to Santos Escobar, and I could do a thing where I say, you know, men, superstar, women, superstar. I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to give you one superstar. There's one person who showed me they're the real deal last night. Well, smack on Friday night, smack Tom. Who the hell knows? I know who showed me that they were at the top, top tier. That was Kaden Carter. She shows me she's next level, and that's why she's in the spot she's in. Uh, I will give that final show grade as a B plus. If you're asking how many stars, you know, I could be nice and give it five stars, but I'm not. I'm going to give it four out of five because I just felt. I felt like one or two things just could have been a little bit better. That's all. That's all, folks. And now I can head into AEW Rampage. The hour of action packed wrestling that AEW Rampage was. Actually, one of the better ones is why I'm happy to talk about it because it was one of the better AEW Rampages I've watched in a while. Let's go to AEW Rampage where you get Chris Jericho starting off AEW Rampage. Okay, why do they do that? Do you know why they do that? Let me give you my observation. You're starting off another wrestling brand. Uh, AEW's been around for a little bit. Not a long time, but a little bit. And 
people are still tuning in to kind of see what's going on. Football season's moved on. We're moving on from football season slowly but surely. And people aren't excited about NBA. People aren't excited about hockey right now. You're still a while away for the playoffs. You got college sports going on. So people's attention is, is being taken up in so many different places. But wrestling fans are loyal. They are loyal. Chris Jericho is a familiar face. People are loyal to that Jericho brand. And the thing about Chris Jericho is he's still a good wrestler. But I like Chris Jericho to be a tactician. I like Chris Jericho to not steal in Ric Flair's moves or anything like that, but to attack his opponents in that similar fashion nowadays, since he's just a step slower. Not a lot slower, just a step slower. And I think it would benefit him a lot to, you know, be the tactician in there. And I think with Matt Seidel, Matt Seidel has a lot of potential. Big ceiling, high ceiling for Matt Seidel. And I like that, you know, Chris Jericho got over on him and he won. Don Callis is on the commentary. Uh, then Konosuke Takashida attacked Jericho on the stage, knocked out Christopher Daniels, um, and the security guards are all trying to break up the fight. It was pretty good. It was some chaos, controversy to start the show, a match to start the show. That's how I like wrestling to be. It was good sports entertainment. Then you get a brief video, teases Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy's match. That was good. It was a good little cut. Then my favorite match of the night was Panta El Zero Medio up against Anthony Henry with Daddy Magic Matt Menard on the commentary. Well, here's the thing. These two gave each other a really good match. Panta was obviously just, he's, he's light years ahead of a lot of guys and then the ring work I don't think people even appreciate what he really does out there I do I appreciate it I thought it was really good and I was really happy to watch that match that was my favorite match of the night and he's definitely the star of AW for the night um overall I think that the more we see Panta L Zero Medio I think the more we're gonna like him it's hard not to like a guy like that who just comes from that lucha background and just as quick and hard-hitting as he is with his moveset, it's very, very fun to watch. Then we had Soraya and Ruby Soho interrupt Renee Paquette's backstage segment. Ruby's, Ruby's got Holly Cameron pinned against the wall, trying to get some answers for her recent actions. Holly blames Anna Jay. Then they're going to go track down Anna Jay. So it just was like one thing to another thing. It was just like girl talk. Then you get a girl match. You get Chris Statlander with Stokely Hathaway as her manager for the first time. That guy's funny as hell. I don't know. I don't care what you say about Stokely Hathaway. However they figure that out to do that Teddy Long thing is exactly what it is. It's like another Teddy Long. However they figure that out, it was it was really good. Queen Aminata is quickly showing that she's, you know, the real deal in AEW. She's good. She did the one movie. She rubbed her ass all in Chris Stan Lander's face. She's bouncing around off the ropes, going through the ropes. And knocking Chris Stanlander to the ground, but Chris Stanlander was just too much to handle and ends up getting the victory. And I actually thought it was a good match. Um, the Chris Jericho match, I'd say C. Panta L. Zero, I'd say that's an A. 
Chris Statlander with Stokely Hathaway coming down there up against Queen Aminata. I give that a B plus. And then you get Jay Lethal talking to Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Sai. He wants to focus on the in-ring action more. And Dutt offers to remove Karen Jarrett to resolve it. But Lethal says he came to AEW to win gold. And he he's thinking about just going singles title. Like, and here's the thing. That's good for Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's way too talented to be playing the the second fiddle. I need to see him challenging for those singles titles very soon. Then we got Willow Nightingale telling Chris Taylor that and Stokely Hathaway that her flight was canceled. She's hinting to Hathaway, um, you know, had something to do with it. And then they kind of just go on another little tangent there. And they figure all that out later. Darby Allen up against Jeff Hardy was a chaotic match, right? That was a crazy match, but it was good because I liked that Jeff Hardy gave Darby Allen a good match. Jeff Hardy gave him a good slap, gave him a good wake-up call, and Jeff Hardy really was like, it's like the old passing down to the new. Like, Jeff Hardy tried to transfer some of that skill, some of that moxie down to Darby Allen, and it's up to Darby Allen to soak that up. But I did like Darby Allen's work in the ring. I was impressed with him. I continue to be impressed with the kid the more I see him wrestle. And then Jeff Hardy, he's just a vet, just a crafty veteran. And, you know, I'm very proud of his sobriety and proud that he's really taken back up wrestling and he's taken it serious. And he's great for the AEW brand. And he gives people another familiar face. You start the show off with a familiar face like Chris Jericho. You end the show with a familiar face to every wrestling fan in the universe with Jeff Hardy. Everybody knows those guys, whether you're a fan of wrestling or not. That's the power of their brand. Now, you know, to be on that level, you kind of have to do crazy things like, you know, put, you know, sacrifice a lot. You know, you have to sacrifice quite a bit. And they all did. So I think what's good to take away from this show, um, I will grade that Darby L. Jeff Hardy match as just a A minus. Just give it A minus for the work they put in. Star of the show is definitely, like I said, it is Panta L Zero Medeo. But the underdog of the card, that's Queen Amanada. She is going to be showing up often and frequently on AEW, and I'm excited for it. I want to see her all the time on AEW. She deserves the spotlight. She's really talented. And I think when we start hearing her talk, I think she's probably going to be pretty dang skilled at that too. So I was really happy with that AEW Rampage. That's a power hour. That was a good power hour. Smackdown two hours, Rampage one hour. It's like, it's almost like watching one full show. It's almost like watching a Raw episode. So it was a lot to dissect, but I felt really good about that. You know how I feel about uh, everything else right now, so... That's where we're going to end the show for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Preston Super Show. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining me. Just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Don't forget to pick up my new book, Smoke on the Cruise. Any book, store, paperback, ebook, whatever you like. And just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night and God bless. Palms 37.4 KJV.